0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a fifteen hundred dollars first bet offer on your first wager.
1: All right, everybody, working up. Everybody's working.
0: With that time jersey.
2: A little bit since the last edition of times ours right here on the athletic joshua briscoe nate taylor seth kaiser the whole trio back together here now otas they've gotten up and running friends and uh it's uh, you know it's good to be doing the show again but i gotta ask if you guys are feeling nervous at all right now like, are you are you worried
1: uh a bit but it, it's nah, i don't know y- you tell me josh I don't know. Well, Seth, I mean,
2: Seth, are you worried? I mean, I'm not that worried. It's
3: OTAs. There's going to be a few guys missing. It happens every year. Oh. If guys start missing
2: the man. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, I am I do apologize. I was talking about if you were worried like I am that Tyreek Hill is coming to take our jobs as professional podcasters. That's what keeps me <laughs> up at
3: night. Well, he, I I, I He does... Send out better video clips than what we do. Um, (laughs) So all we got to do is just release a quick clip. So here, I've got you. I mean, I guess when you really think about it, we should probably discuss the fact whether or not uh, Patrick Mahomes does really want to be traded from the Chiefs and has suppressed his own stats (laughs) to make that happen. I mean...
2: We should. What do you guys think? Do you guys think that's happened? Well, you know, cut it right there. You know what? You know what? You know what? You know what? Seth, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask. I'm going to pose this question. I'd like to hear your answer. Do you know for a fact that Patrick Mahomes has both of his arms? Cut. (laughs) (laughs) Hey,
1: hey, hey! So, did Troy Aikman call you? (laughs) <laughs> I I know we'll get
2: into this with the mailbag later, but I did see some questions about us upping our teaser game, and I did want to at least acknowledge that in the podcasting world, where one audio clip really mm. can be used to get some people mm-hmm. in trouble, that we really do have some expertise in that. Um, and uh, may- maybe it's not quite 33% of the engagement that Tyreek Hill got for his clip, but I'd like to think it's enough uh, so anyway, I hope that does conclude our conversations about uh, our new rival podcast, uh, as we can hopefully talk about other things here, including some mailbag questions later on. I'm also, I, we started trying to do this show with me on a hot spot today because the storm in Kansas City last night apparently ripped all of the Internet out of the cables. I'm not sure how that works. Um, and so our, our, <laughs> our setup today now is that I'm, I've got Zoom open on my phone with my AirPods in talking into a real microphone actually recording this so my audio quality is going to be fine but i i two minutes into the show can tell that there might be a little bit of a delay problem and so if that ends up being the case you know this is going to be a big seth and nate show if i can <laughs> it also seth's hosting the mailbag segment today because i can't use my internet to read the responses so there's your uh, your quality warning at the beginning and we do actually have like a few real things that we could talk about that's not podcast or technology related
3: is it scare anyone else how little we know about how the internet works? Cause I mean, gun to my head, you could not, I could not tell you, like, Seth, why is the internet out? I'd be like, uh, uh, they, I don't know. Like, I mean, they they unplugged the all servers. The, they, the servers cable, cable unplugged. Out. It's like there's an episode of the IT crowd where they like have this, you know, what's in this box is the internet. And so she brings it to a whole <laughs> it's just this whole thing. And it made me realize like, I literally don't know what the internet actually is or how it works.
1: So it's just it's just a it's just a 5G, dog. It's just I'm telling you. I'm <laughs> yeah. out here telling you that like they're <laughs> on to us and we're on to them. Um <laughs> No, I just I just get the sense that it's it's just a strange it's a strange time. It's it's okay. Look, I am here for the undergarments. You're here mm. for the you're here for the teaser. Um, you know, what comes first? The undergarments or the teaser, okay? because uh, I I want the undergarments. You know me. I'm someone who is an advocate for zippers being unzipped. All right. So if you want if you want these hot teasers in these hot streets, that's okay. I just I need a couple undergarments, you know, and then you can re up on the on the back end. We're going to get those boxers
2: in a bunch over the course of today's show. I mean, <laughs> I hate the word panties. I don't like to phrase panties in a
1: wad. It's just bad. I hate all of it. And so I've gotten boxers in a bunch. That's my alternative. Yeah, G-strings don't really roll off. Or banana, you know, banana. <laughs> a little banana, banana, I don't understand. banana suits.
3: I am I gonna be the one that tries to keep us on track today? Because I'm not equipped for that, guys. Yeah. <laughs> that is not oh, something I'm yeah. capable of doing. And we we actually we have had people like asking us about making epoxy, like, there's stuff going on, guys. There's OTAs. And all I can say is yes, there are OTAs. <laughs> I would respectfully disagree that there's stuff going on, though. Like well, just, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's You know, for a quick recap of what happened last week, I watched more, I spent more time watching Patrick Mahomes play golf than I did (laughs) watching NFL players go through a non-pad voluntary practice. So, in that case, obviously I will provide you all with the insight and the reasonable information that we can gleam from these early, you know, sort of... Um, introduction to the new scheme or to whatever new concepts we're, we're thinking about uh that the team is, that the team is going through. But yeah, there's, you know, this doesn't have the, you know, this doesn't have the appeal of, you know, um previous years when they've had OTAs, but you know, there's, there's some interesting characters who are there and there are interesting characters who have not been there. That I mean, that's the, the main topic I, I like of conversation at this
2: point, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's who is there and, and who isn't. And boy, if, if Seth and I started talking at the same time to Seth's ears, we are bleeped. Because I, I had like a 15-second head start on my end. That was going to
3: be a challenge. Who's going to tell him, Nate, you or me?
2: You, that's
1: bad, huh? I don't know. It's you. You tell him, you tell him. So you, you started talking and I literally was like, how long will this go?
3: How long, yeah. will this, how long will my heart go on? I think that we all need to understand that whatever Josh just said was full of import. And generally, I'm sure it was really good analysis. I'm guessing he's probably talking about the fact that really running backs should be
2: taken in the first round. And if you really think about it. Listen, here's it. the thing. I'm just going to start talking over him because honestly, who knows when I'll start talking. But what I know is that the listener, you, the listener right now, can hear me because I'm talking into an uninternet connected microphone that's being recorded that I'll email out later. So the truth will be known on this podcast even as Seth and Nate <laughs> oh come God. to slander my name. Now, I don't know if they can hear me <laughs> or if I sound like T Pain. <coughs> <laughs>
1: But it's that tough is, out here. I don't know. What even me, is as I 5G? Can't actually hear him. Oh Dang, this <laughs> The internet is is just thwarting every effort we make. <laughs> How- you guys power through. Power I, and through. So- I'm gonna try some
2: stuff. Can't
1: hear i just keep talking Josh, so i can't hear it. No, only like these very no. these very <laughs> <laughs> it's like if it's like if someone wanted to mess with like musical production or audio it really is
3: it's like the scene from did you ever see the uh the trolls holiday movie the where they where, where they go and they create a bunch of holidays for the unhappy gorkins or whatever they're called You remember that at at all? Oh, no, I don't uh, Uh know. They've made so many troll movies. One thing that they do during part of it is like, they go on this weird kind of almost, almost acid type trip because that's how kids movies are now. And they're like, (laughs) the the one that like does the T-Pain voice all the time in the original, uh, in the original movie, he goes, I'm feeling weird with the T-Pain type voice. And that's exactly (laughs) what Josh sounds like to us right now. So, Josh is going to try to reconnect. We are going to try to power through. And if you, the listener, have powered through in the last two minutes, I have so much respect for you. And we really appreciate the people that love this podcast enough to stick with us through the tough times. So, well, Nate, let's just like, we'll quit dancing around it. I mean, so Orlando Brown Jr. is not at voluntary OTAs. Um, And he, you know, the part of the delay was he couldn't find an agent, Mm -hmm. which... Now, now we see why it took him so long to find an agent because he wanted an agent that didn't have a pre-existing relationship, according to Mike Garofalo, with with NFL GMs, which is definitely I mean, good for Mike for getting that. That is definitely one way to go about things like, hey, you have no experience in this business, so I bet you can do what I want you to do. Um, I, I don't know what to think of that. And I also don't know what to think about. I mean, I, you know, his comments about, you know, this isn't the year to go in with a backup left tackle. I mean, he's not wrong. Um, so I'm just curious what you think about where things are with Orlando Brown Jr. People are freaking out because there's really nothing else to talk about.
1: Yeah. I'm also what, curious. Unbelievable. <laughs> now
3: he's taking a step down <laughs> to like, this is Josh Talking to his son from 30 years in the future, warning him about his impending murder, much like the movie Radio. I think that was Radio. I okay.
2: dialed in with the phone to Zoom. I didn't even know you could still do that. That's a Skype feature from 2014. But here I am. Sorry for interrupting. I just want you to know I'm back and I sound like this now. To you guys. But again, listening audience, just here's my beautiful, you know, microphone quality.
1: You sound like you sound like you, you you sound like you're in a well and like we yeah. got no rope, no buckets, Some sorry, dog. <laughs> sorry dog. straight to hell and we are sitting here. What's that, like, Lassie? You
3: need,
2: re- need to record this podcast though, buddy. You know? Just try to stay alive. So hey man, hey man, we're gonna throw a lava mic down into hell for Josh. All right, I'm done. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs>
1: yeah, the only the only uh Significant news other than the match, hope you watch it. It was on TNT, it was quite the time. Um, is that hey, um, you know, I think it was understandable as to why um, Floyd Clark wouldn't be at the voluntary practices, it's understandable why Chris Jones wouldn't be at the voluntary practices. Um, those guys aren't asking for a lucrative contract extension that we know of, uh, so. For Orlando Brown to hire Michael Portner as his new agent, uh, someone who will be negotiating his first NFL contract with Orlando Brown as his first client, Um, it's the more I think about it, the more fascinating this sort of storyline gets, Seth and Josh, because um, I think a lot of outcomes are on the table, and that's rare in this point of the offseason because as you move forward to this franchise tag deadline, things become more clear or they should generally. Uh, but I just think there's a lot more avenues at play here. Uh, there's a lot more options and Orlando Brown wants to do things his way um, with what he feels is, is of great value to the chiefs and the chiefs are, you know, trying to get to, An understanding as to like where they can meet Orlando Brown and Michael Portner in the middle, but he wants to be one of the highest paid left tackles in the league. And now it's about how you structure that. It's about are you comfortable doing that with just one year of a sample size with him in the offense? An offense that is, you know, gonna change because of the personnel that's changing surrounding this person. Um and If you are going to figure out something, how can you structure it to where, you know, it uh, is beneficial for the team, um, but also continues to incentivize, you know, the best production out of Orlando Brown moving forward?
0: Huh.
3: I don't know. That's it's hard to see. Posting's say. not so easy,
2: is it, Seth? Huh? you talked to big game back a couple minutes ago. and All of a sudden, you <laughs> got to sit here in 10 seconds of silence. You come up with a smart response or a pivot question.
3: I, I genuinely thought that you might talk. But again, I assume you're wrestling Samara for yeah. control of the mic as you as you <laughs> are at the bottom of, of the pit.
2: <laughs> and hopefully you learn how to harness her powers to climb out of there at some point. That's honestly, it's not that. It's hotter down here than I'd like for it to be. But other than that, it's not that bad. Uh really, yeah, yeah, really overhyped. There's
3: plenty of water to drink. It's just, it's just a little bit rough. So yeah. the the thing with Orlando Brown Jr. is, I mean, I think the team wants him, and I think he wants to be here. It's just, I think when you, whenever you sign a guy who essentially demanded a trade from his previous place because they wouldn't play him at the position he thought he was best suited at. Correct. And hey, fair enough. Demand whatever you want, right? Like, I mean, this free country, do your thing. But you know you're getting someone who has a very specific idea about their value and they are going to, how do I phrase this? Advocate for
2: that. Mm. And that can make these things a little more contentious. So let me let me ask you this, Nate. Because, you know, Seth says, well, the Chiefs want him here. What I would argue is is the Chiefs traded for him, and it seemed like, I mean, from the jump, the agreement last year was, hey, play out the end of your deal here. We'll talk about the deal next offseason. We want to see what you look like at left tackle for a full year in this system. And, Seth, I want to know what you think of Orlando Brown last season as well as we're trying to figure out what he's actually worth. But if you're the Chiefs right now, I, I would have thought that the assumption was that they were going to have a long-term deal done this offseason uh, as the culmination of the trade last offseason. But is there anything that we're missing mm-hmm. there, Nate? Like, w- would the Chiefs be willing to say, "Yeah, I don't know, come play out the franchise tag and we'll do it next offseason? Would they be willing to um, do anything
1: more dramatic than that? Or is this just a matter of time? Yeah, it's a matter of, like, giving yourself time and being comfortable with that, right? Um, the Chiefs have the ability to prevent him from reaching free agency, which they chose to do with the franchise tag. Uh, you know, I think any logical person, fan observer, uh, would understand why the team did that. You know, it gives you essentially a, Hey, this is just our negotiation. This is not you and the rest of the league or the other teams who are, you know, in need of a, of a starting left tackle who, by the way, uh, earned a pro bowl selection um, with his new team in a new system a year ago. And I know we're going to get to Seth's uh, sort of evaluation of that, but what makes all of this super interesting is I think most people will say he's not the best left tackle. And then the question becomes, well, where do you, where do you evaluate him amongst his peers, given that he's a lot younger than the peers that he is sort of surrounded by And, you know, yes, the contracts are structured in a certain way that, like, it should match the way the cap is going to rise to the expectation that the league has. Um, But also I get the sense that, like, you know, Orlando wants to maximize his potential and what he believes is his leverage, which is obviously, um, hey, I'm the best guy available. Right now. Which is why you traded for me a year ago. And I haven't done anything to dissuade you. Or I, I haven't. My performance shouldn't dissuade you from. You making that decision a year ago. Where you looked around. You surveyed the draft class. The rest of the free agents. Who was essentially available on the trade block. And you picked me. So now it's time for you to pick me. uh Or reaffirm that selection. With a with a contract that, that sort of states that. Um But the Chiefs. And NFL teams in general, not just them, have the diabolical means of saying, hey, one more year, do it again. Hmm. Let's see it one more time. Hey, don't get injured. Hey, you were reliable last year. You were durable last year. Do it again. And at a very controlled cost, at a premium position that you would not have under any other circumstances because we have somehow – collectively bargain that we can do this to you so do it again and if you don't want to and this is where it gets really this is where negotiation happens if you don't want to be here at the voluntary otas if you want to say that you're better than your teammates and let the world know this and you're not going to show up for mandatory mini camp This is where it gets this pause problematic. intentionally left blank. Yeah. Yes. This pause is very intentional. Yeah. This this sure. is yeah. this is where it gets problematic because as much as of this is a Brett Veach thing, this is this is an Andy Reid thing. And and I and I just want to really acknowledge that and want the listener to acknowledge that. Like this is Andy Reid and Brett Veach, Orlando Brown Jr., Michael Portner. These are the four people that matter. With Clark Hunt making the final decision, because who is, Josh, who is the chairman of the finance committee in the NFL? I
2: believe that would be uh, chairman and CEO of the Kansas City Chiefs, Clark Hunt. So he knows
1: money, right?
2: Seems like, it seems like the man knows money.
1: Seems <laughs> like he knows money. Uh, so there's four primary people with a fifth person, sort of, you know, kind of not in it to the nitty gritty, but obviously, you know, is involved. Um, this could go a lot of ways, fellas, and I don't think I've said that much about any contract. Like, there are more mm-hmm. things that could go on here, and I think I'm, I think I'm okay saying this. There are more outcomes than Tyreek kills. Eventual outcome in March.
3: Interesting, cause, because cause I think Hill, there was only it, two
1: it, ways to play this out, and the team mm-hmm, understood mm-hmm. it with Tyreek Hill. And they said, we are going to take option B um, or option A, depending on your perspective. But they were like, we're going to choose option B because we feel like we're being forced to, into option A.
3: Sure. And that would be option A being top-of-the-line money yes. most in the NFL. And that was it. And, right. I mean, that's the funny thing on that. On I mean, Rosenhaus has said that. He said we wanted most of the NFL, which fair enough, he'd earned it. And I, I don't really have an issue with that. And then option B was trade him. So with Orlando Brown, I think one of the reasons it becomes a little bit different is I don't know if trading him
1: is necessarily an option right now. You because I'm you would be I'm curious. Yeah, you would be trading him at a weird at a weird point in the in the asset valuation cycle. Right. And,
3: and the interesting thing with him is who who do you compare him to when you look at the guys currently under contract? He, you know, if he is he asking is he comparing himself to Colton Miller and Garrett Bowles because that's probably about where he's at in terms of how he's played, although he's quite a bit younger than Bowles. Um, because he's not he's not David Bakhtiari, he's not Trent Williams.
1: Right? Like, there's, he, there's those two guys. Ga- is he Armstead? And that's what I've been asking most people. Is he Armstead? But again, right. that's difference in years, difference in experience. like Right.
3: And, and, and recent health history. Yes. Because I would just say Armstead is a better player. Mm. Brown. Brown is five years younger and has been way healthier. Mm-hmm. Mm. Although, I mean, one of of those two things is basically a luck thing. So it really is about where you value a good but not great left tackle that could be more, because these guys usually don't peak until they're, you know, 28, 29. And then you've got like a three or four year peak. And he's gotten better every year as a pro. All that's important. I'm just curious. The wide
2: range of outcomes fascinates me. I'm fascinated by that. Because if I can drill down on that some, Nate, I mean that is again that's extension. Weird time for a trade, but those are the two options for Tyreek Hill playing out under the franchise tag, perhaps. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I guess a long term holdout could be an option. Yep. I don't know. Is, is there one there that that we're missing?
1: Uh, yeah, holdout, sitting out the entire year, which I don't think Orlando Brown will do. But again, that's like if you get so disillusioned by where the negotiations go. And the idea that like, you know, hey man, we didn't we didn't we didn't appreciate how this offseason went from our perspective, that being the team, uh, then you can say, well maybe my maybe my maybe I feel I'm more valuable not playing than playing. Now again, that's we're I'm sort of projecting way out in advance, but it's a issue of like, okay, the outcome is I play and I get hurt. I play, and I'm not as good as I was last year. And so my value is decreased. Mm-hmm. I play, and I play well. Or hell, I play, and I play better. And now I feel so frustrated by the way this went last year. And I told you a year ago, I'm, I'm mostly talking from the Orlando Brown, Michael Portner you know, sort of viewpoint on this. We told you all a year ago how committed I was, how much I was going to get better. Like, But now I want free agency. Or it's going to cost you twice if you double you know, franchise tag me. And that'll make it even more you know, difficult because, I don't know, Kirk Cousins wasn't even the best quarterback in his division, and they still <laughs> did it, which is wild. But again, he plays quarterback. He actually has the ball in his hands. Um, but what ended up happening there, Like, it became very obvious that the moment Kirk Cousins could actually get to free agency, the relationship was so sour. Now, granted, was the organization as good as the Chiefs are? No, but he, he went elsewhere. And so you're going to have to make a change at that position again a premium position where you may not have if you bought in earlier if you gave the extension at an earlier time frame um you know there may be a situation where you get an outcome where okay we begrudgingly agree to this and then in 2 years time based on what happened in the offseason of 2022 I'm not going to be Patrick Mahomes' left tackle for the majority of his career or Throughout my career, which is what Orlando Brown wants, because that's what Michael Portner told me. Like he wants to be Patrick Mahomes' left tackle throughout his career, but there's a way of of these things sort of either deteriorating or strengthening over the timeline of there's a deadline that honestly is contrived in an excellent way. Again, maniacal manner by the NFL. I don't know why we have to have the deadline be July 15th. Has someone explained this to me that, like, really knows the CBA? Um, And, yeah, the NFL is all about, like, distraction nonsense um, when it comes to, like, everyone gets to training camp and they're all in. Um, Which, sure, but, like, tell that to Tyron Matthew last, last, last training camp. Anyway, why is the deadline July 15th? Like, I guess that's a question that, like, I just ass all the time and I'm like you franchise them in March you have until July but like what if you guys figure something out in like I don't know September like before the season starts but that's neither neither here nor there that part is very weird I don't know
2: why this is the deadline I don't I'm uh, you know what I'm guessing that probably somebody on the ownership side decided that rule because that's typically how that works right I that's very strange
1: yeah uh, yeah it, it might be
3: the, the NFLPA is just put in a tough spot, and we've talked about this before. Um, they're in a weird position because it's a different type of league than any other type of league because of the size of teams. Mm-hmm. You have, in the NBA, there's way more non-stars than, than stars, but the ratio is very different. And so when you're negotiating things like franchise tags or these these kind of imaginary deadlines that really only affect the franchise tag and mega contracts, 90-ish percent of the league which means, you know, 1500 dudes don't care about that. You know what I mean? If I'm if I'm let's say and I'm just using him as an example, he's a player I really like, but if I'm Andrew Wiley and I'm talking to my 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 players association rep about what issues matter to me. The franchise tag is not one of them. Right. Right? Because right. it's never, it's never gonna matter for him. And it's not just him. It that's even like if you want to use it like like maybe even like Creed Humphrey, because a center is not nearly as likely to be franchise tag. Now maybe it could, but you're also as a rookie, that's probably not the thing you're as concerned about, right? You're probably more concerned with certain other aspects of things that have recently affected you and so the NFL the NFLPA they're in a tough spot because you know I can imagine again and Andrew Wiley would probably care because Patrick Mahomes cares and he seems like a good dude honestly you know me I love good dudes but it's one of those things where if I'm a guy who is fighting to stay on the roster as a special team spot or you know as the fourth string wide receiver that gets 40 targets a year I care much more about like retirement benefits kicking mm-hmm. in when they kick in. I care about minimum salary. And so what the owners can do and and diabolical is a good word for it. If you wanted to be, you know, if you wanted to be heartless, you can say it's just good business. They can say, well, fellas, what <laughs> we do, we are going to up the minimum the veteran minimum first what we're going to do is we're going to lower the amount of years it takes to reach the veteran minimum by a year and boy does that affect a lot more dudes than the salary than the franchise tag and you know what else we're gonna do we're gonna raise it by a hundred thousand dollars and i'm a guy that says wait i'm a veteran minimum dude i want a hundred thousand dollars more last year and they say but you know about the franchise tag." i'm gonna say what do i give a crap about that for and that's the position that the NFLPA is in, is you've got a league that consists of vast majority are non-stars. And that just makes it tough to do anything about the star stuff. And that's why the franchise tag is probably never going away, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and, and, and Orlando Brown Jr. wants to be a star. And sometimes, oh. in order to be a star, they give you bonus hazard pay. And that's essentially what the franchise tag is. It is bonus hazard pay because if you can get through it, it's a nice bonus. It's more than you probably would have made under normal circumstances because you're good and you're valuable, but you're like, you're not Patrick Mahomes. So, uh, could you like do this on like a bonus hazard pay? And like, if you get through it, then like, Hey, Great credit to you. Um, but there's a lot of hazard. There's, there's, it's football. It's just... So, I, I look at the franchise tag as, like, selective bonus hazard pay. Um, and if you want to get out of the situation, the best thing to do is to prove your value. And there are a number of ways of doing that. Orlando has made his choices so far. They have been fascinating. And, you know... The Chiefs are gonna have to make a decision as to, hey, um, we are from a baseline comfortable letting you play on a you know on a one year sixteen point six nine million dollars, uh, but we may only have your services for a year, and does that outweigh negotiating something that you know could um, could benefit the the player greatly? And could also benefit the organization, but no one has a crystal ball. Like that's just that's just the that's just the truth. So um, Orlando Brown, from my understanding, has done a lot more training on his own this offseason. Um but he's also like not with the team right now during the team activities as well as the mandatory mini camp that's going to happen next week. Um, and I just Michael Portner has never negotiated an NFL contract and he has to do it in five weeks. It's these are circumstances that are extremely rare.
2: Buckle up Man, is,
3: I guess that is not happy <laughs> news. And that's and, and who knows, I mean it five weeks is a long time. One reason I've had for optimism is that the Chiefs did have, you know, they made an offer to Trent Williams last year. So they have a framework for what they'd pay yep. an elite player. They also have the framework yep. with Eric Fisher from years ago. Um, and obviously times have changed, but you've got some frameworks to work with. It's just, you just never know how someone wants right. to negotiate. Um,
1: this, is, this is the question that I've continued to ask. And this is before Michael Portner. Uh, was involved. Now he is involved, but like, are the chiefs going to give Orlando Brown, the Ronnie Stanley contract because Ronnie Stanley was a left tackle that the Baltimore Ravens chose over Orlando Brown for that amount of money, that amount of years. And to Orlando Brown's credit, you could say he's performed better than Ronnie Stanley the last two years. Mm-hmm. So this is the question for both of you fellas. Are you willing to give Orlando Brown, you know, five years, hundred million, sixty 60 to 70 of it guaranteed.
3: Man, that guaranteed money is what's crazy in Stanley's contract. Um, because the fully guaranteed for Williams is 40. Um for 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 Bach, it's, it's 30. Tunsils 40. And then Stanley, 64. I mean, his contract, it's it's a unicorn in terms of guaranteed money. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious if that comes up. That is a really good, that's an interesting thing that, uh, that they could do in negotiations though, to try to play to the human element is offer him more money than what Stanley got. But man, I mean, how do you fully guarantee more than 60 million? Like without him making some major concession in terms of the average per year. Right. Um, that it's just, I think it's just going to be tough, but it is, I don't know. It's just funny that, you know, we get all this from, you know, voluntary mini camps against air that
1: I'm sure are scintillating Nate. Like, Oh, I mean, haven't, haven't seen Skymore run a rip yet, guys. It's, it's been, it's (laughs) been, it's been something, (laughs) you know,
0: looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone.
2: I was thinking about asking, Nate, is there anything else we should get from OTAs uh, that we haven't talked about yet, or should we get straight into the mailbag? And I think that was your answer let's, before I even asked that question.
1: Yeah, l- let's get straight to the mailbag, just because um, Marquez Valdez-Scantlin looks good. Uh, I've seen some nice reps from Joshua Williams. Uh, I can't tell a single thing from Trent McDuffie, but that's not his problem. You know, they just don't target him. Uh <laughs> You know It
3: happened to him in college too.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh it's it's actually quite boring. Um Justin Reed, hey, looks the looks the part. Um like Clyde Edwards Alaire couldn't tell you a thing, man. They don't run, they don't they don't practice running plays. Okay, so <laughs> I couldn't couldn't tell you a single thing. You know, Willie Gay looks really athletic, but you probably said that last year. Will he play on third down? Yeah. I don't know yet. Um so yeah, let's yeah. just get to the mail back. <laughs>
3: I I've actually got a really good one just starting us out because it keeps making its way to my timeline. And for the fifth off season in a row, (laughs) I get to continue to have the discourse about Chris Jones. That is going, I mean at this point, I genuinely believe that this is a bit that everyone is in on specifically to gaslight me and drive me crazy. Oh, okay. Okay because and and this is this is actually this is from chiefly bacon who is a good dude i I, i've we've had a lot of great interactions it's not him it's the number of people that now the new thing i'm seeing is you know chris jones regressed last year and i can't even bring myself to ask people in what way like in in, in what way like what what way did he regress and then they point to sack numbers and my head explodes and and it's just like (laughs) I, i can't do it so we'll we'll talk about a different aspect of it before I really freak out about it, and maybe he's a guy whose film I need to review. Maybe I need to do the whole eight games win loss. But you know what I'm going to find just as a prediction. You know what? We'll get into that. All right. Chiefly Bacon. After seeing Aaron Donald's new contract, oh yes, is Chris oh, Jones oh, going yes. to suffer the same fate as Hill next season? And that's that. Now that's a reasonable question. Right. Not right. No, I, Bacon, I I love I love I love this
1: question. Yes.
3: So I don't know. Um Josh from down in the yeah. well,
1: can you
3: what what do you I love, we'll start with you because Nate we know Nate's our guy to actually uh, give us uh, a little more maybe uh, maybe uh. something. Oh no that, that's not probably. Sure
2: thing, Seth I, Seth, I'm, I appreciate I'm curious, Josh, Seth, I appreciate you throwing it to me down here. Uh, that was really that was just a bit for the listeners through the podcast because you guys have sounded like I, I was in a well this entire time. But there, they did too. Here's what I'll point out for you guys. Um, I don't know if this is an answer to the question or not, but I do think it's interesting to note that after this year is when Chris Jones's contract gets – there's an out, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. I'm putting that that phrase mm-hmm. out there and that note out there, mm-hmm. not because the Chiefs wouldn't be willing mm-hmm. to pay him – a $27 million cap hit next year, $27 million for Chris Jones next year. Uh, this year it's 29, which is a lot, but that's the structure of the deal. I'm not really blinking at that. They'd they'd free up $20 million if they just cut him after this year. Um, but I'm noting that because at age 29 next year, Chris Jones would also probably want a new Mm. big deal. So I, I would say that the Chris Jones conversation, I I have seen a couple of people kind of connect him with Tyreek Hill. Um, in the the format of where they went, I would say if if he's not a chief next year, it's in that vein because he wants to get paid, and the Chiefs haven't given big contracts to guys over twenty six or twenty seven. Not named Travis Kelsey, and even his contract is like still a steal. So that that would well, I, that, be my that is
3: that's one of the more reasonable takes on it. And I'm assuming that's why Chiefly Bacon's asking it. So I mean, Nate, do you have any insight on that? Because it is that age thing matters maybe a little less for a pass rusher than wide receiver
2: maybe a little less
1: yes but yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely right I would right
2: yeah I would say it matters yeah yeah but it, it tackle, I would yeah. say so.
1: so so you know this was um a little bit of tooting my own horn here but on May 19th I published an article about players who are in contract years and yes technically Chris Jones is not in a contract year but theoretically he is in a contract year. Um, for all the reasons you mentioned, um, they can, it's, it's wild. You know, they can create twenty million. This is according to over the cap, by the way. If they release him after this season, they can create twenty million while only eating seven. Um, yeah. and if the cat twenty million,
3: goes, you could you could probably get an elite pass rusher with that kind of money.
1: Yeah, you and can if, get a boat with that kind of money. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, go ahead, Nate. I'm sorry. And if, and if the cap goes up, then that seven million gets reduced from a percentage standpoint. You you obviously do the math. Um, this has got to be the year. You know, uh, mark it down. Early June, Nate Taylor. Yes, I'm referring myself in the third person at this at this point. Yes, Nate Taylor started saying that Chris Jones has to be the most important, best player on the Chiefs' defense. I am now fully moved into the Seth Kaiser category. This has got to be it. No more of this nonsense. I shouldn't say it's nonsense because, I mean, he's a professional player. No more of this, like, dilly-dabbling at defensive end and be the second-best defensive tackle. Hell, if Aaron Donald has a little slippage and you produce your career year, perhaps people will be like, man, when you look at the production, the consistency, the the pressure-generated Perhaps the sack numbers. Hey, Chris Jones might be the new best defensive tackle in the league. There's an opportunity here for him to really thrive because Anthony Hitches is not here anymore. Tyron Matthew is not on the team anymore. Um, yes, they traded for Frank Clark, but his, you know, we we've we've done chapter and verse on him. Uh Nick Bolton is still young, but he ain't there yet. Uh we don't know what's gonna happen with Juan Thornhill, Willie Gay, you know, he hasn't played a full season yet. So this is this is Chris Jones's time. And if he plays at an elite level, by the way, one of the greatest radio segments of all time is quote player elite is Chris Jones elite. Then I get the sense that yeah. Now we can start to get into Aaron Donald territory. Not in Aaron Donald's house because that would be basically nah. taking the same contract and slapping it on to Chris Jones. But I do get the sense that, like, this is what Chris Jones is striving for. You can accomplish a lot of things this season, Chris Jones. Legendary status, one of the best players in the league, perhaps at his position. If you have a dominant performance in the postseason, which he has yet to do from a statistical standpoint in his career, then yeah. You could get that re-up, hey, let's, let's negotiate something and let me be a Kansas City legend in the way that, you know, Tyreek Hill was, like, right on the edge. Because I always say, like, when you get to that Kelsey eight to nine years of just, mm-hmm. like, again, Hall of Fame production, Chris Jones is on. He, he has an opportunity. He's at the doorstep. And now it's a matter of can he harness it? for a full 17 game season. And then can he be like Aaron Donald, which is dominate when it matters most. So yes, there's a chance. And yes, Aaron Donald matters a lot to Chris Jones.
2: This. I uh, I have a, I have a couple of questions that have loaded up here. I'm not going to try to change my Zoom setup at this point in the show, but I did get a couple to load uh, because both from uh, JettyRat underscore RB and from TJF Sports, both questions around the idea of could the Chiefs' offense be better with three or four competent receivers than just with Tyreek Hill? Um, or potentially, hey, what if you put that signpost around week 12? By that point, by the playoffs, could that group be better? Mm-hmm. Or would you bet on it being better, Seth?
3: You're not going to let me rant about Chris Jones?
2: I, did you not already? <laughs> no, I did a little,
3: but I, I, you know what? I appreciate that question, and so I'm going to let the Chris Jones stuff pass. I just, I, I have never seen, and I've said this before, I have never seen an elite player be talked down by a fan base <laughs> as much as I see it with Chris Jones. And it blows my mind. In my mentions right now are people like, well, yeah, but he's inconsistent. And I'm, I always ask, at what? Oh, wow. I mean, just look at his sack production. Okay, go look up Warren Sapp's sack production. Defensive tackle does not work that way, especially when you're sur- – you know what? I'm not going to do this to myself.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just, just it's say Just so – just sure I'm glad just I didn't say, let you rant about Chris Jones. All you have to do is say, colon, C Dallas Cowboys game.
3: And not even that. Every single game he wins at a really high rate. The sack production isn't going to be there because the guy that was supposed to be the other guy, the guy that has taken a ton of blame, like you said, we talked about Frank Clark ad nauseum. There were supposed to be two of them.
1: Yes. There's a reason. That's what you have to have in the modern NFL. But go on.
3: Absolutely. You have to have you got to have three dudes, really. And two of them should be elite. There's a reason the Rams went all in for Von Miller when they already had Aaron Donald because they wanted their passers to be more consistent. But we've done this a million times. And I honestly, like at this point, like this many seasons in, I just can't anymore. Like I, everyone, like it's not just me. Like look at Brandon, what Brandon Thorne has to say about Chris Jones. Look at what, whatever you think of maybe pro football focus, look at what they have to say about him year in and year out. Nobody but Aaron Donald rushes the passer like him from the interior year in and year out. And every year it's the same thing as the Chiefs since 2018 have not given him a good, like a genuinely consistently good running mate. And every year I hear about how it's Chris Jones's fault and it blows my mind. Like, I just, I feel like I failed people that subscribe to the newsletter when I talk about complimentary pass rush, the fact that the best pass rushers win about 20% of the time. And those are the very best. And you know what that leaves? 80% of the rest of the snaps. You know what else happens on those 20% where he does win? If no one else is winning, the quarterback can just run away from him. and or the I just, ball
1: comes out really quick.
3: Yeah, or the ball comes out. But yet somehow it's like, well, no, if he's awesome, he's going to have, you know, like, I just, I can't do this. And just give him, give him some help. But anyway, I ranted and thank you, Josh, for letting me do that. I do think that totally, offense, totally
2: let you do that. That was totally within my control. I definitely yes. could have stopped you if I wanted to.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, Josh from a well has a lot harder time controlling me. Um, it's really true. <laughs> I, I would just say, i also, I'll answer this one in a short fashion. They have a chance to be more consistent and less mm. um less easy to maybe um with against certain personnel and certain scheme and a combination of both, because you need both right? You can't just run a certain scheme against the chiefs last year. you needed the personnel too. I think they might be a little tougher to control if if MVS plays the way he's played throughout his career and Juju plays the way he's played throughout his career, and Sky Moore hits. Those are three big things, right? And Hardman plays as well or better as he's played the rest of his career. If all four of those things happen, and those aren't big bets, right? None of them are huge bets, except maybe the rookie receiver. The rest of those are like, they're pretty safe bets, but they're multiple safe bets. And then when you, you know, the way probability works, it gets a little less likely. Then yes, I think they could be
2: better off in theory, um, uh, what do you think, Nate, on, on that one? Do you have anything you would add there? You want to move on to another topic?
1: Uh, no one is Tyree Hill. Yes, and yes, mm-hmm. the Patriots were were really good without Randy Moss.
2: Mm. Uh. Oh, I I think I heard you make that point on the Athletic Football Show with Lindsey Jones a uh, a uh, couple yeah. episodes back. Yeah, on baby. The, on the pod with the, uh, mm-hmm. the little AFC West Roundtable, that was a good listen. If somebody wants a little uh, a little uh brushing up on the uh the division and uh Nate's there. So that was that was a, a good episode. I meant to mention that earlier. I'm glad that you uh I'm glad that you used the same made the same note. I was like, ooh, that's kind of a fun comparison. Maybe he'll use yeah. that on our show too. And he did. Look at that. You get the good stuff here too. Um, here's, here's a couple of, uh, of similar questions from just underscore Chiefs, whose bio is, it just says, I'm literally only here for Chiefs content, and that really <laughs> made me laugh. Um, yeah. and also from at Jeff Pars, uh, both asking about, uh, the complexities of the offense from uh you know how concerned are you that sky Moore hasn't been able to fully participate to this point um and then also how hard it is for for um incoming players and especially rookies in Andy Reid's offense should Andy reed tinker with his own playbook a little bit and make things a, a little less complicated
1: uh Andy reed's been doing this a long time so i don't i don't i don't know if you can if you can scale it back um he is take you know he uh, you know for what sky moore can do right now he is on the field he is. Uh, as they would say in the coaching ranks, taking mental reps. Um, But I think Mm -hmm. the real test for him, and I know the Chiefs are being, you know, from precautionary reasons, just like, hey, if you're ready to go at mandatory minicamp, great. If not, then like, let's, let's see it uh, at training camp. And then we'll try to like, you know, uh, work out some, some things before we get to the preseason games. But, you know, it's, I think in terms of, it's hard because, One of the best things about this is I don't know exactly where the offense is going to go, which is, like, kind of the point of this whole offseason because, like, you know, neither do the other teams. At this point, I think it's more valuable for, like, Marquez Valdez, Gantlin, Juju Smith, Schuster, more veteran guys to work on that timing and how do you run routes and, like, here's why we call this and here's the site adjustments that we're making. Or if Travis does this, then you do that. All those things, I think, are more valuable right now to veteran players that you know are going to get the majority of the snaps anyway before Sky Moore figures out his role and the coaching staff sort of accentuates him in that role.
2: Anything to add there, Seth? I – uh. I I do
3: think that um, Reed has shown the ability to work people into the offense um, early. It just depends on the player. It depends on the skill set. I mean, Jeremy Macklin and Deshaun Jackson both came in Andy Reed's offense and were pretty big parts of it pretty early, like right away. And so, and and that's, that's, those are big shoes to fill, obviously, for someone like Sky Moore. The thing is, Sky Moore does have a really good skill set to jump in right away. I I think doing the mental rep side of things, he's never learned another pro offense. And so I don't think he needs to unlearn anything, which in a weird way, like if you were going to be coming in and I, I think this would be the time as a rookie to where the mental reps might be, you know what I mean? A little more, okay. You're not trying to unlearn anything. So I, I think like Nate said, I, I think it's more important for the veteran guys. And also I just think he would probably have gotten worked in slowly regardless And so I'm not too worried about it. Obviously you never want to see someone hurt, but I appreciate that they're being cautious right now. This stuff is going to matter way more down the road. And generally speaking from, I've never had like a player where I was like, you know, that guy would have been great that year. If only he had had more reps at voluntary OTAs, like guys either get it done or they don't.
2: Yep. A lot of, a lot of questions about the uh, the defensive line altogether, and I'll push us back out to the edges with some Frank Clark talk in tow and after you uh, already gave us, you know, Seth, your fastball on, on Chris Jones. Lots of questions on on the edges. My favorite phrasing of it from at W Baker 18 I've trapped myself into a cycle of delusion believing that Josh Kanda will be a pro bowler this year. How do I get out? <laughs> um the phrasing of your questions I will say dear audience it does matter because sometimes I can only read one that makes sense and I'll pick the funny one so good work um but uh, what are you guys thinking right now because again there's questions of hey who else are the Chiefs going to sign what's the plan for the D line uh could it be worse than last year as it got a little less talented I mean or at least you know you lose Melvin Ingram you add George Karloftis and and some other role players there as well so what do you guys see at edge
1: um I wonder what's going on with Trey Flowers come August, and a lot of you know where it does help in OTAs is that George Karloftis is taking all the reps, you every <laughs> last one of them. Um, you know, it, it's fascinating to see Mike Dana, who I think is just a a reasonable, respectable defensive end. Um, comes down to Frank. Kids, you knew I'd say it, and here we are, Frank Clark. Awesome. And I and I feel good
2: about that actually, because I, yeah,
1: I yeah. In what, what was it? In what regard? <laughs> <laughs> now look, there there have been workout videos, and look, as I've said, Andy Reid has told Andy Reed told me need a quiet off season. What have we had so far, kids? It's it's been relatively quiet. Has he been working out? Yeah, Andy I think feels really good about Frank. Because I think there was a real understanding in February, hey man, this next year's got to be better than than what we just went through. And both men understood that, and so as of right now, as of June 8th, it seems like it's going swimmingly, um, and he looks to be in better shape than he did this time last year. Um, And what you hope is, is that he can stay, his body can get stronger, and he can get obviously into football shape in training camp, because that's when things sort of that's when, you know, yes, there was something that occurred in the offseason that was questionable in terms of decision-making. But in terms of the actual football part of the job, he had hamstring injuries that he just could not come back from uh, or that he came t- back too soon from. And it was just, it was a whole cycle of things that he really wasn't himself for much of the year. Um, and, you know, at, at this point in his career, he needs to be, he needs to be healthy and, and on a clear ramp up to, to be at his best come week one.
3: I I agree that it it's their their plan seems dependent. It comes down to Clark. If Clark can play at the level Melvin Ingram played at last year, then all you need is for Karloftis to play at a level like Melvin Ingram played at last year. And you should have a competent pass rush most of the time, because you'll have three guys. It won't be ideal, but because really you want two stars and then two other guys like if you want like if you just look at the Rams right look at the Buccaneers the year before that kind of stuff you really want yep. four guys uh, you look at the Niners when they're at their best uh, they do seem overly in my opinion dependent on Clark we'll see what happens with Kando they obviously saw stuff they
1: liked and it's
3: really easy to forget about guys in their second season we'll see Can- he
1: didn't look by the way if Kando gives them anything it's better than what happened last year because he had an ankle injury and they just basically yep. were like yep red shirt year homie. Um, yep. which was fine yep. you know so uh look up Josh kendo stats there are none he he didn't <laughs> he didn't and I don't mean that maliciously or or mean it just he just didn't like it it still boggles my mind because i i watched him on the field and he looked like a rookie in the first game and then he got hurt against the eagles and you never saw him again so right you know he did he didn't record a stat last year so if he gives them anything it's it's a bonus and what you hope for any young player is hey is the second half better than the first half and if you can right. say that about josh kando it's it's a success
3: right and i think mike dana is a guy that we've kind of almost assumed that he hit his ceiling his rookie year because athletically he doesn't look like he has a lot more, um, and and he doesn't athletically. But I mean year he was he was competent in year yes. one.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Not necessarily. I wouldn't call him even an average pass rusher because he wasn't he didn't win consistently enough one on one. But you know if if let's say he ups his game five percent, you know what? Maybe that's a guy you go from trusting with. Three hundred snaps and trusting him with four hundred. Although George Karloftis, based on his college film, literally never comes off the field. So
1: never, never, <laughs> like, never,
3: ever, ever I, ass- ever. I assume that'll change, but they—they they really are. This is—it's they're relying on George Karloftis' film in college that he'll translate right away, and Frank Clark, and that—that's—that is a decision that they have made.
2: If if uh, Orlando Brown does hold out, George Karloftis might also play left tackle like that, it, 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 and let him punt also. Like I just, he his cleats literally cannot cross over the white lines. He's like Moonlight Graham in Field of Dreams. If George Karloftis comes off the field at all, you you are thr- you are risking something very are bad he, happening.
1: Look, look, you know, you, you know, look, it's gonna happen at some point in this career. You know, he's just a throwback, guys. He's just George Karloftis, even though he's from Greece. <laughs> And he wasn't introduced to the sport. He's just a throwback. He's just leather helmet, plays both ways, hand and knees in the dirt—not just hands, hands and knees in the dirt. He just <laughs> look. He just plays. He plays from an old school, historical. Like I hope someone says historical and George off in the same sentence. Just he—he's just a throwback. Yeah. Okay. Like that's just who he is. Even though he was a poloer a water polo athlete literally a decade ago <laughs> don't ever mention that why did i mention that just continue to say throwback historical two way player hell he was at he he looks like a guy that was at the naval academy and army and at the same time, okay. If you
3: saw him dressed up in a 1940s <laughs> army uniform, you would be like, "Yes, yeah. that
1: that yeah. makes yeah. sense." He looks yeah, like before, he kind of, before World War II. not 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 after, not during, but before. No, no, World not War. after that. This is like the the you would think his name was
3: Dirk Square <laughs> and he's eating apple pie. He's got the American flag out there. He's been bailing hay all day, and then it's like, no, no, dude's from Greece. Like he plays water, but that is. <laughs> Him and Leo Chanel, man, like I am confident. The cadets. Every... Can we call them that?
1: Let's just call them yeah. the cadets right now. Every Let's do day, it. Literally here we are, every, kids. Day, Leo <laughs>
2: Chanel,
3: every day, Leo Chanel, Nick Bolton, and George Karloffis do their max deadlift every single day. Those guys, they don't take, they don't do rest days. Those guys, they get done with their stuff, they go to the gym for six hours, then they go to bed.
1: And look, I'm here for it.
3: It's look, fun. Look.
1: When I think of George Karloftis, I think of that ESPN 150 college football documentary, which by the way, great series, but you know they're running wishbone, you know it's in black and white, and George Karloftis has got another tackle for loss.
3: It is that's and so I'm here for it on that part. The defensive ends scare me though. That the, the defensive line's the scariest part of the team. I hope Karloftis comes through. I love what they tried to do in terms of physicality. So we'll see.
2: Marvel's doing a lot with the multiverse now. So if there is a Captain Greece anywhere, they wouldn't even have to like do CGI or give him a new workout routine. George Karloftis is just, he can use his real name. Also George Karloftis is the Greek Steve Rogers. And all of a sudden Captain America has a Greek counterpart that I don't know, like crushes olives with his feet and like makes the world's best olive oil while also being good at football. I don't know. I think Greek, I think olives. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why I think that's a historical thing. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know. Maybe his no. Oh, oh! I got it. His shield
1: is an olive. Oh man. Boom. His shield his is mark. an olive. He oval. traded in his, his water shield... polo cap for a leather helmet, fellas. Mm-hmm. That's right.
2: That's right. <laughs> Uh, Here's my last question, and if somebody, uh, there there were a few questions that I did just uh, close out the tabs on, so my apologies if we didn't get to your question. It's because Seth talked about Chris Jones too much. Yep. Uh, So from uh, from at not right, what's happening to him? Sorry. Going to Arrowhead for the first time this year. What's the one barbecue (laughs) restaurant I cannot miss when I'm there? I wanted to address this because I've gotten a couple of questions from some people who are planning their their trips to to Kansas City. Yeah. I know there could be different answers to this question, but if you were really tied to one, I want to know what you guys would pick, and I'll give you my answer after.
3: One barbecue joint while you're in Kansas City.
1: Yes, um, only stop I, at I'll,
3: one. I'll say it. I'll say it this way: Whenever I go to Kansas City, I would love to try multiple things, but I'm usually only in town for a for a day or two at most. And I know that I am already planning around. I'm I'm minus one meal when I go to Kansas City. Mm -hmm. Because I know one of them, I am going to Joe's. I am getting a Z-Man. I am getting burnt ends. I am getting fries. And I'm getting them all at once. And I'm watching Josh sit there in horror (laughs) at the volume of food (laughs) that I'm eating. And he's watched me put it away. and, and, And so... There's a lot of people will tell you a ton of different things. And I'm sure there's some, there are, I mean, I've never had bad barbecue in Kansas city and there's so many great places, but Joe's is a cliche, but it's kind of like a cliche. Like it's a cliche, like, I don't know. Like what's a really good cliche? Like, it's like, hey, you know, you know, what's a really fun place to visit when you live in Minnesota in, the, in December? Well, the Gulf side of Florida. Well, what a cliche. I'm not going there to see those beautiful beaches and the weather that's 75 degrees and sunny while it's I don't, 20. Where I'm, that's a cliche. Well, yes. Look,
1: look, look, I don't want to I don't want to offend. I don't want to offend our people of a certain age. But like there's a reason they go to Florida. OK, it just makes sense. All right. Yeah.
3: It does make sense. I'm going to become a snowbird the moment I'm capable of it.
1: Nate, what's your answer to that question? Um, my answer will always be Gates because it's what I grew up on, and because I believe Ollie Gates created the greatest barbecue sauce of all time. And um, it's oh, a good sauce. It's uh, it's it's the best sauce in the world. And I'm, I don't, I don't I got, say I've that. I've got the spicy
2: one in my fridge uh, right now. I might go I, get a sip of it I, mid-show. I've, I've
1: tra- it's just Gates original barbecue sauce is incredible, and they'll they'll do you right. Um, and yes, they will yell at you, and it's okay because you're you're <laughs> you're new. And I just I I just want you to know, sweetheart, it's it's not you, but there's a line behind you. And tell me what you want to eat. But hey, when you get there, <laughs> just have the sauce. It's incredible. Uh I, I, I feel blessed that people actually ask us this question and we have the we have the responsibility. We have the weight. We have the yes. onus yes. to 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 lead them in the right direction. So uh Seth says, you know, Joe's, which is excellent. I say Gates, which is just incredible. And now, uh Josh, lead lead us out, my friend. Here's what I'll say.
2: If you were to say front to back, like, where could you, which barbecue spot could you eat for a week straight and and have perfect mm. different food every time? I think the answer to that mm. question is Q39. I, yep. I think that the width and breadth of Q39 is unbelievable. I I really mm-hmm. do. And I've, again, like, yep. like you guys have both said, they're, they're, it's hard to find a bad answer here. But I think that if you were like, Hey Josh, bad news, last meal. Uh, but you get to pick it. What's it gonna be? I would think about it for a second, and then I would say something that starts with "Burnin' Z-Man on toast." Oh. That's the, because that is special. It mm. is special. So I think Q39 might have the highest like overall rating. But my number one overall pick for a barbecue dish in Kansas City, shout out to Kent yeah, Swanson so for putting is- me under the toast. It's that. It's Burning Z Man on toast. So yeah. I, I would I would go Joe's for your first time here, um, or or your one spot, but there's no law that says you can't just go to like three different barbecue
1: places in one day. Is just bring some digestive enzymes. Yeah. You'll be all right. Yeah. 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 Is yeah. is is Gates Michael Jordan, is Joe's LeBron James, and is Q thirty nine Steph Curry.
3: Wow. <sighs> It's just you put my pick as as LeBron and and as someone who's 37 I'm legally obligated <laughs> I to be on the Jordan side of this debate. I don't know why you did this to me Nate like
1: and I don't even I don't because even know if I'm right. I, because, but I'm
3: because obligated because, to stay sir. here.
1: Gates was here first. That's true. And, that's true. And Joe's came after Gates. So that's okay. that's, that's And that's and fair. then and then someone who revolutionized the Kansas City barbecue scene I mean that that's it. it Might be strong, but I'll give it to I'll give it to Q thirty nine. They they um, you know, I I'll do it. Um, Jack Stacks wishes they could be Q thirty nine. Sorry 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 to the Damian Lillard of Kansas City barbecue. Which hey (laughs) Damian Lillard all star, but he ain't Steph Curry. And that's you
3: know, here's you know, since we're talking about this, and I know we have to go. I told my wife we'd be done 20 minutes ago, she's gonna start <laughs> hating you guys. Um, the 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 interesting thing about this, like you said that about Jack Stack, and people might take that as like this pot shot. Jack Stack would be the best restaurant, or it would be the best barbecue in the vast majority of towns in America. Towns- it would be the best barbecue yeah. in
1: Buffalo. <laughs> Let's go! Look
3: <laughs> at him! It, it would. And so this is like one of those things where you're like trying to pick like, it's like when people say, you know, name your five greatest chiefs in history, right? You know, if we leave someone off that, it's not that they're bad. It's just like, how do you compare someone to Patrick Mahomes, right? How do you, how do you compare someone to some of these guys? So how do you compare someone to Derek Thomas? That's not fair.
2: Gates, Um, Gates is Lynn Dawson. It's no question it's on the Mount Rushmore. I mean, it is obvious Hall of Famer, carve it into stone. Um, and then maybe Patrick, is Patrick Mahomes, Joe's or is Patrick Mahomes Q39? Is that, too I, much think gets,
3: I think he gets, I think he gets the really, Q39. Whew. Yeah. Man, Q39 is coming out ahead in this. I mean, they're like, yeah,
2: that, I yeah, that, out, that went well for them.
3: I've never had, I've never had anything from Q39. Like you said, the depth of stuff you can get that is all excellent Whereas, like, I think maybe, like, the very tip-top ceiling for Joe's, like, it's very best fastball might be better than Q39's I got very it. best fastball. I got it.
2: No, I got it. Q39 okay. is Alabama football. But if I have the number one overall pick, I'm going to go get Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson. Clemson's not the program that Alabama is. But if I'm getting my first pick, my quarterback is the burning Z-Man on Toast.
3: Mm. nice Mm. nice you're well done you did have it well
2: done i did it i did it (laughs) we've done it the show's over, delays and technical difficulties and all. So, um, you can follow all of us on Twitter at By Nate Taylor, at Real MN fan, at JB Briscoe. You can read all of Nate's work, uh, including the most recent piece on Orlando Brown Jr., up on Athletic.com right now. You can get Seth's work at, uh, at TheAthletic and MNChiefsFan.substack.com, including a new film review on Isaiah Pacheco and what his role in the backfield might be. Um, and I tweet everything that I do, so you can just follow me there. So, if that's all, I mean, I won't know if you guys are done for 40 or 50 seconds because of my delay but you guys can go ahead and wrap it up
1: uh here's my question to the questioners Uh, again thank you for the mailback questions they were awesome as always dear listener in the kansas city barbecue lexicon who is donovan mitchell just who's someone that like they just it's time it's time it's time it's been time it's been fun i guess if like Quinn Snyder was the chef, the chef's like not coming back. So like, you know, uh, be gentle. But but who who's the Donovan Mitchell of Kansas City Cheese Barbecue? <laughs>